Huda Nation, welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. We're actually going live on this Wednesday night, and there's a special reason why. The Saints making another big splash in free agency, bringing in Jamal Williams' three-year deal. We'll get into all the details and why I absolutely love this move right here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. Once again, welcome back inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast, which is presented by the Birdsall Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media, located at 918 Poydre Street by the Superdome. You give them a call at 504-523-5413. If you or someone you know has been involved in an accident, make sure you mention us on the way. That's Birdsall Law Firm, the official injury lawyers of Boot Crew Media. So I said it before. Saints made another splash. This time it's Jamal Williams. And man, was this a position of need. We all love Alvin. We know what 41 brings to the table. But last year, even when Alvin had his great games, you felt as if the Saints were missing that complimentary back. You know, Mark Ingram, as great as he's been for the Saints, you know that he's not at that level anymore in terms of being an impactful player on the field. In the locker room, absolutely. On the field, not that same guy anymore. So how about bringing in Jamal Williams, who was an 1,000-yard rusher and led the league in rushing touchdowns this past season with 17? It's an absolute slam dunk signing, in my opinion. And the numbers of the deal, three years, $12 million. It kind of seems like the Saints always hand out that contract to running backs not named Alvin Kamara. So uh, I really do like this signing. It's not breaking the bank. You're adding an excellent personality to the locker room, but you're also adding a baller. And just to put into perspective how good Jamal Williams was in terms of efficiency by the goal line and really giving you that pop. Like I said, he had 17 rushing touchdowns this past season. The Saints as a whole, they had 12 rushing touchdowns as a team. So Jamal is going to be an upgrade to this unit. And now it kind of begs the question of, man, do the Saints inch closer in terms of contending? Now, it's March. I can't just sit here and be like, man, the Saints have really turned themselves into one of those teams that's in the upper echelon of the NFC. What I can tell you, though, is while teams are getting worse on paper and while teams are having a different approach in terms of how they're addressing this season and seasons to come, the Saints decided, hey, we're going to go for this again. And I will say this about last season. It did not go the way we thought it was that it was going to go. 7-10, and 10, we're 4-9 at one point. Man, you're looking down the barrel and you're going, this looks terrible. Like, where is the light at the end of the tunnel? And I can't sit here today on March 15th and guarantee you, Saints fans, that they are going to turn the corner and they're going to be a contender. I can't guarantee that right now. Like, we have to see them in action because I like last year's roster. What I do like, though, for the Saints is that, once again, they see an NFC that is, as a whole week, and they're saying, you know what? Let's make the moves. And the reason I like this if this doesn't work, the Saints are going to get clarity. If the Saints aren't a team that's winning double-digit games and winning a rather weak division, I think you got your answer about the coaching staff. So what they do this offseason? First, they improve the quarterback spot. You don't have to love Derek Carr, but Derek Carr absolutely is an improvement at the quarterback position because to put it into perspective, Derek Carr's floor was Andy Dalton's ceiling. So now think about if Derek Carr hits his ceiling, which we know is a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback who is capable of taking a team to the playoffs. We saw what he did with the Raiders in 2021. That's the first thing you check off. You lost defensive tackles, David Onyemata, Shai Tuttle. What'd you do earlier today? You brought in Colin Saunders and you also brought in Nathan Shepard. Now, are they elite players? 
No, not at the moment, not at all. But the Saints gave out contracts that hint there's a plan in place for them. And it's also worth noting the Saints, when it came to stopping the run, ranked 24th last year, weren't exactly great in that anyway. I thought the D-line needed to be overhauled. So they're doing that there. And there's still a lot of more work that needs to be done. I believe the Saints' first-round pick, if I had to just make a prediction today, I'd imagine it's going to be on a defensive lineman. That's just my early gut feeling on this situation. But they're making improvements there. How about retaining your own free agents that you have visions for? Look, I just mentioned Anya Mata and Shai Tuttle. They're gone. Caden Ellis, unfortunately, left. Marcus Davenport's in Minnesota now. Saints brought back Michael Thomas on a one-year, $10 million deal that could shoot up to $15 million. I think that's a good move because he's the MT of old, and that seems like a bargain. Or it doesn't work out, and you say, man, you're a free agent next year, and we tried. It just it wasn't working because of the injuries. And how about Juwan Johnson? He's back in the fold, and he had another really good year in terms of taking that next step, over 40 catches, seven touchdowns. He's going to be with Derek Carr, who does nothing but love throwing to tight ends. I think that's going to be a nice marriage for those two down in New Orleans. So I think you're doing a good job there. Are the Saints perfect this offseason? No, because again, what you do on paper doesn't always translate to the football field. But they're making moves that as a fan, even if you were pessimistic like I was back in January, how can you sit here and be like, I'm not feeling good about this? Because guess what? I thought the Saints defensive line needed to, to be rehauled, overhauled and revamped. They're doing that. They needed another running back. They just added one and could add another in the draft if they want to. They needed to get better at quarterback. Derek Carr is an improvement. They're doing things that we wanted them to do. Now it's about the coaching staff putting it into work and making sure the execution's there. So I don't have a cap on right now. If I did, I'd absolutely tip it to Mickey Loomis, Kai Harley, Jeff Ireland, this whole front office, what they're doing right now. From a personnel standpoint, I like it. I, I really do. They're not overpaying for guys that I think just don't fit their timeline. They're not making any moves that will ripple them for years to come. I like it. And, and like I said, and it's kind of the title of this video, right? Did the Saints inch closer to being contenders? On paper, the answer is yes. And that doesn't always mean it will happen in September, October, November, December, January. But look around the NFC right now. Look at two teams from the NFC North, by the way, who are usually perennial playoff teams. The Green Bay Packers, they're about to lose Aaron Rodgers. And maybe that's a good thing in the locker room for them with the way this situation played out. But they're going to lose a superstar four-time MVP quarterback. And the Vikings have cut Eric Kendricks. They've lost Patrick Peterson. They could lose to Darius Smith. We'll see if they have to end up getting rid of him. They could end up cutting Harrison Smith as well. They have made a lot of moves there. And frankly, they are kind of in a weird position where I think they kind of know we won a lot of one-possession games. I don't know how often that happens back-to-back years. Maybe they're entering a different period. But forget about those two teams in the NFC. Let's focus on the division for a second, and then I'll get to the comments that you guys have in the chat. Look around the NFC South. You have the Panthers who, yes, they signed Andy Dalton. They made some really nice signings here and there. Hayden Hurst, Miles Sanders. Uh, I really particularly like Miles Sanders with their coaching staff. I think he's going to be a good fit. I think there are things to like that Carolina's doing. But Carolina kind of tipped their hand for next season because they traded for the number one pick. Got rid of this year's first. Got rid of next year's first. Got rid of a future second. Got rid of DJ Moore to ensure they could get their quarterback. Now, in the long run, if they hit on that pick, who cares what they gave up? Because they'd have a franchise quarterback for years to come. So I love, I absolutely love the idea of you go for it. If it doesn't work, woof. But if it does, you really feel like you're on top of the world. How about the Falcons? They're in this weird spot where 
they're spending on defensive players, Caden Ellis, David Onyemata, Jesse Bates. But offensively, not improving. You go out and you get Taylor Heineke, so you have your veteran backup, but that signals that you're going to start Desmond Ritter. And it was so weird to me because Atlanta seemed like the perfect team to just go after Lamar, make a run. If they match your offer, they match your offer, but give it a shot. And they didn't. So it seems like they're kind of playing for future years. How about the Buccaneers? This one's fascinating to me. They go out and get Baker Mayfield, and you think, okay, maybe they're going to say Baker with their veteran weapons. Maybe they could win the division. While that is still possible because, man, it's a bad division, you see that he got a one-year, $4 million deal that can turn into an $8.5 million deal if he hits his incentives. That signals two things to me. One, they're not thinking that this is going to be some type of resurgence. This is bridge slash maybe you be the backup for a little bit if we like what Kyle Trask is doing in training camp. So the Saints are out of the four teams in the NFC South. Not only the best team on paper, they're the only team right now that's signaled they're going for this. And this might be a mistake. We'll look back and we'll figure this out. But as of right now, if I had to pick teams that I feel good about making the playoffs, on paper, the Saints would be one of them. And Jamal Williams, absolutely, in terms of helping you move forward in the right direction, how can you say he doesn't do that? You know? And I'll get to his comments, but I, I believe there's a Lions fan uh, in the live stream here who's left some really nice comments about Jamal Williams and what you to expect from him. And, and, I'll, and I'll pull up his comments uh, when I get to it in just a moment. But you got to be optimistic. And this comes from someone who was pessimistic a lot of times in January, definitely in December, and you always wonder what's going to happen. Well, they're going to go for it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, but I do applaud them for making changes that we all said, please make. It shows that they're somewhat aware of the problems. Now it's about actually putting it into action. It happens there. Um, but let me get into on the live stream, uh, and I'll probably be the way I wrap it up. So from this point forward, you guys some, you guys have something you want to say about the Saints, the of Williams, Saunders, Shepard, uh, Derek Carr, whatever, put it in the chat and I'll bring it up. But we'll start with this one um, from DJ. He's saying, loving the move so far, addressing the team needs via free agency and being able to load up in the draft. Uh, not entirely sure why that one didn't come up. Hopefully the other comments will come up. But to DJ's point here that I'm reading from the live stream, how can you not like what the Saints have done um, move-wise, right? And to your if you go off the comp pick formula, the Saints, right, I believe they would be in, I think, either comp picks um, because they did lose Deontay Hardy today as well, uh, lost Dalton. So I think they were up to, if my math serves me correct, six, and you could only get a max of four. Saints had three big signings. So, I think they're in line for three comp picks. If my, my math is correct here, I think it is. Uh, now, they can get out of that equation by making more signings, but if the Saints know that they have comp picks for next year, that might entice them to move some picks that they currently own and go up the board. Uh, to your point, DJ, and I, I think that is definitely possible. Uh, now, I'm looking at other comments in here. I don't know why it's a little bit slow at the moment in terms of getting them up, but it seems like for the first time in a long time, Saints fans are kind of unanimously in a good mood. Uh, and that actually makes me really happy. So I'll read Gabriel's comments. If I could pull it up on the screen, I will get to it. Uh, but Gabriel said, if we snag Tajay Spears in the, it's, uh, in the first and second, uh, not even God himself could stop us. Now, that might be a little bit of a, I don't want to say exaggeration, but I love what you're thinking. I actually think Tajay Spears, by the way, is a very, very interesting piece for the Saints because if they were to get him, 
he gives you that explosive element that you would lose if Alvin gets suspended. So I think that helps. I also think the Saints got to get younger at running back anyway, because as much as we love Alvin, at some point you get into that phase where you go, okay, are they going to have to get younger? Are they going to have to think about the guy after him? And maybe Tajay Spears is that guy. So uh, we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll definitely see what happens. Just comment here. As a Lions fan, this hurts so bad, but you know, uh, but you know he's gone now. Um, yeah, look, first off, I, I feel bad, but I do believe Lions got themselves a, a damn good back in Montgomery to pair with Swift. So uh, I think the Lions are going to keep it moving. And I'm going to be honest, the Lions are one of those teams where you talk about the changing of the guard in the NFC. Troy's got something nice brewing there. And I love that Ben Johnson went back for another year. And I think Ben Johnson's the type of coordinator that if the Lions can do what on paper they're capable of doing next year, he can kind of use that and catapult into the head coaching job that he wants. Not one that was just there and nothing else. Like one that he really, really wants to go to. Uh, and I think that would be big for him. So um, I think that would be a, a really big plus there. Gabriel says, Dennis and Pete, don't F this up. Uh, yeah, I mean, that will definitely be, the, the, the pressure will be on them. Absolutely. Another comment here says Super Bowl. I mean, we'll see. I, I, love the, I love the optimism. I say this all the time, and I truly mean it. When the football season starts, if your team's not playing the way you expect them to, let the pessimism come out. It is what it is, and it, it's crushing. But there's no reason to be just down on your luck and just upset with everything in March because, like, it's too early. If you start being upset in March, all of a sudden, you're going to be miserable for the rest of the year. These are the months where you're supposed to have a little bit of hope. These are the months where maybe you talk yourself into a little something, something that's realistic. Now, I can't say Super Bowl. That's, that's too rich for my blood. But what I, can, what I can honestly say, though, guys, is that I see these moves and I, I just strip, just simply, simply say to myself, you know what? I can't watch. I, I can't wait to watch the Saints play football next season. And sometimes that's all I need. That's all I need to be a little amped up and a little bit, a little bit more juice uh, for the season. Someone said, so pumped, Chris. And then we got another comment. NFC is wide open. Uh, yeah, it sure is. It sure is. And I, I think that is the beauty of going for it now. Now, the flip side is, if it doesn't work out, then you're like, okay, pushed our chips to the center. We got to scale back. But like I said, the Saints have not gone overly aggressive where I go, man, if this doesn't work out, it's going to take 10 years to fix. No, they haven't really crippled themselves with a move yet. Like even Derek Carr's contract, if you look at the actual structure, it's really two years, 70, potentially three years, 100. That fourth year, I just, I don't know if that's ever going to happen in terms of what the number's at, what it says is at. I don't think it's going to be concrete. So we'll see, things can change, but that's why I'm kind of feeling somewhat optimistic today. I am tipping into de uh, delusional levels of optimism. I'd feel even better if we had good coaching. Well, He's neither here or there, but let's say the Saints had a Sean Payton right now. L let's be real. All of us would be sitting here talking about how this team could be a Super Bowl team. Like, let's not, let's not even deny it. We absolutely would be talking about that. So I'm, I'm definitely sure that that would be something there. I, I really do. So another comment, I believe from the Lions fan, saying Jamal Williams will get you short yards. Don't expect a lot of splash plays. Expect a lot of carries, but a phenomenal locker room guy. Yeah. And sometimes that's all it is, right? I don't think the Saints needed the RB1 type of guy because, look, Alvin, in my opinion, will not get suspended all 17 games. Now, I, I expect him to miss time, and that's going to hurt. But 
DeAndre Swift missed time, and Jamal stepped up. And Jamal, again, in that complimentary role, over 1,000 yards, 17 rushing touchdowns. I'm not expecting 17 rushing touchdowns, but, man, he gives you eight or nine. That's eight or nine more than you were expecting from RB2 because no offense, and I don't mean this to be disrespectful. You were not expecting good production from Mark Ingram or Eno Benjamin at this point in their careers. Mark Ingram's older. Eno Benjamin is unproven and bounced around. Cardinals to Texans to Saints very quickly. So that's what I love the move. And I do agree with you. I think he's a phenomenal locker room guy and he fits in culturally for this Saints team from one good culture in Detroit to another in New Orleans. So I really do love that. Next comment. We just need DA to let Carr handle the offense. Well, you know, I do think that Carr and Pete, and boy, I've been on Pete's back when it comes to not loving certain things he he does. I think they might be a good fit. Like, I think just systematically their ideologies might work together. And I don't expect the Saints to have a juggernaut offense. I don't, but I expect them to be much better than they were last year. And I know that's not saying much, but if the Saints are much better offensively than they were in 2021, and 2022, I'm losing concepts of years here. That will be enough to win the division. Seven and 10 with God-awful offense in terms of situations where you got to have it. Anytime the Saints had to have it offensively, they didn't have it. They didn't bring it. So um, I think that's going to help. And Derek Carr's a guy with fourth quarter comebacks and uh, game-winning drives. Nobody does it more than him since he was drafted in 2014. So I, I do think that's a huge plus right there. Absolutely no reason now for the Saints to have anything less than a top 10 to 12 offense. I'm going to be honest with you. First off, I do agree with that comment from Cooler Beats. I'm not, I'm not going to be uh, uh, kind of a, you know, the whole beggars can't be choosers. I'll take top 15. I'll lower it even three spots. I'll take top 15. Top 15 with a top 10 defense. If that's what the Saints can put together, that's making the playoffs. Now, I do agree with you. Personnel-wise, Alvin, Jamal, Taysom Hill, Jawan Johnson, Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, Rashid Shaheed. It's there. It is there. And you might add another piece. You don't know. So it's there. Now go make it happen. Go happen. We're not saying, you know, turn water into wine. We're giving you what you need. Make it happen. Gabriel says, heard it here first. We're going to shock the world. Uh, look, maybe a uh, little Jawan Howard vibes uh, with that. We're going to shock the world uh, comment, but. We'll see what happens. Gabriel also says Nick Wright can kiss our black and gold behinds. Um, I already had a rant about this. So if you're like, hey, Chris, are you going to blast Nick Wright here? I, you can just go check on Buku Media's YouTube page. We did a video on it uh, today, actually, about how if other teams lose certain players, they don't mention it. But when the Saints lose certain players, it's, well, this is what happens when you're irresponsible with the cap. That was the gist of it. But this Jamal Williams signing actually furthers that point where it's like, okay, you couldn't wait to beat up on the Saints when they lost Marcus Davenport and David Onyemata and Shai Tuttle, by the way, all three guys that Nick White's never spoken about on his shows. But when the Saints signed Jamal Williams or the Saints signed Colin Saunders from Nick White's fan favorite Chiefs or they get in Shepard from the Giants, uh, from the Jets, excuse me, I don't hear anything. It's only when they lose someone do you push your agenda on your narrative, but when it's the other way around, it's a little quiet. Now, again, I, I, I don't hate Nick Wright. I don't know the guy. He had a way more successful career than me, so I, I'm not going to rip him in that regard. I just think for when it comes to the Saints, there are unfair things that have been spoken, and it, it just bothers me because it's like if you actually just put a, just an inch of your, your time into it and just did a little research, you'd be like, all right, 
It's really, it's, they're, they're not that irresponsible with the cap, honestly. It's all optics and how you view it and should you, should, shouldn't you or should you? That's kind of how I look at it. 29, pick 29 should be D-line and then address wide receiver running back at 40. I'll go one step further. I am actually okay if the Saints go 29 and 40 D-line. I'm actually okay with it. Now, Saints fans might not like it, but I think the Saints still got to get a, a little bit more firepower. I think they got to get a little bit younger. So um, I would absolutely be okay with them doing that. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to use 29 and 40 on defensive line, but I'd anticipate one of those top two picks for them being at that position. And then the other one being BPA, because that's what this team does. And it works out well for them most of the time. So the O-line, it be wide receiver. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Pick 70 at running back, that could be enough to get Ty J Spears. Because I love Ty J Spears, but his size might concern some teams. And that might be where the Saints say, hey, don't concern us. Hometown kid, let's bring him in. So I think they could do that later. I'd love to see Darnell Washington lined up in 11 personnel with Juwan. Well, Washington's the type of guy that everyone, and I mean everyone on Twitter, just freaks out over him. And, and how can you not? I mean, 6'7", probably 270-plus weight-wise. Just move the sled during workouts like it was nothing. Uh, yeah, he would be an interesting fit. And man, the Saints will be able to play some bully ball if they bring him in. So I, I would be for it, but uh, I don't know how realistic it is, to be honest, guys. Alex says, any chance that Jarvis will be willing to come back on another one-year deal, already knows the system, and adds even more depth to the wide receiver room at a cheap cost? I, I would say, yeah. I mean, what is the market for Jarvis Landry? And this is not intended to be like, oh, he's got no market. Seriously, what is the market for Jarvis Landry, who unfortunately over the last two seasons has missed a lot of time because of injuries? Michael Thomas, who was a former Offensive Player of the Year and has the record pre them going to 17 games over here, and this was in 16, most receptions in a single season, he got a one-year $10 million deal. What is the market for Jarvis Landry? I, I don't think it's that big, so I do think that it is possible. Um, and, and it comes down to the Saints saying, hey, do we want to go back to Jarvis or do we want to just try something new? Um, and I think that's all it's going to come down to. But look, Jarvis had that great week one game and that was exciting. And then that was kind of it. But um, we'll see what happens. We'll absolutely see what happens there. Next comment. Um, I, this might be a little too bold, but we'll see. Do you think we have a chance at the Super Bowl? I think there are teams right now that absolutely have a chance at the Super Bowl. And because it's March, that's why I say that. Uh, so yes, because it's March. But Saints have the Saints have the question. One of the questions that I need to see it answered on the field before I could confidently answer that question. Uh, and my biggest question is: Is the coaching staff ready for prime time? I know Pete Carmichael under Sean Payton's good. I know Dennis Allen under Sean Payton's good. We saw Sean Payton's gone. This last year didn't work out well. How do you respond? Because this is it for them. This is it. The Saints are in a playoff team in 2023. There will be massive changes to the coaching staff, and most of them will be deserved. So it is kind of put up or shut up time for them. And I don't mean that to be rude. I mean that as a realist. And yes, on, on paper, in a very weak NFC, there is an avenue where you say they win the South, they get a home playoff game, they win that home playoff game, and now they got to finagle two more playoff wins. There's an option. I mean, there, there could be an option where the NFC South is so bad and they're playing a third-place schedule that because of that, the Saints are like, oh, okay, we're going to sneak in here. 
we're gonna get um we're, we're gonna get to 12, 13 wins, and maybe that gets you by. I don't know. I'm just I'm just spitballing here. But in a week NFC, it's possible. But man, I gotta see this coaching staff do the damn thing uh before I feel good about it, if that makes sense. Tay says team is setting up is getting set up to pick BPA with our first round pick. Very well possible. I would be way and a-okay with that because I never feel like you should reach for need. I think it's always got to get the best player. Now, I think teams do reach for need, and I, I somewhat excuse it when it's quarterback. The position's way too important. But for the Saints' sake, I mean, yeah, they could use another defensive lineman. They could use another wide receiver. They could use another offensive lineman. They could use another running back. They could use another, if they want another linebacker, they could use another safety. Like, they're, they're not a perfect team. They're far from it. So I do agree, and I'd be, I'd be totally okay with that. Christian says, I can't wait. Uh, like reading the next comment too soon. Any chance we can sign CJ Garner-Johnson or Darius Slay? First one, I think, is an absolute no. Uh, no knock on CJ. CJ's a baller. CJ's a great personality. But CJ and Dennis Allen clashed heads, and that's why he's gone. Like There's, there's just no way they'd be able to mend that fence so quickly, but also mend it with it being more expensive. You know, like that's the other part of this whole equation, right? Like the, the Saints would have to be willing to bring him back and pay him the money that they weren't willing to pay him. He would have to come back and accept less money than he was originally offered. So I don't see how that works out well for anyone. And for that, I would say no. As for Darius Slay, I would also say no on that. And, and the reason I say that is I think it would be bad asset management for the Saints to use whatever money they have left at cornerback when you have an elite of the elite in Marshawn Lattimore. And then on the other side, you're either going to have a, an emerging second-year player in Alante Taylor or you're going to have a potential bounce-back player in Paulson Adebo who looked great as a rookie and looked terrible as a sophomore. Those are options, though. So I, I think the Saints can go other ways. Um, don't get me wrong. If they sign the Darius Slay, I can't hate on it. But he is 32. He's looking for guarantees. I don't think the Saints make sense for them. I'm going to be honest. Now, they're flashy names. Maybe five years ago, younger Chris would have made a mistake and said, hell yeah, bring me both of them. But I know what the Saints are trying to build, and I, I just don't think that would be the best asset management uh, either one. But those are great names, and I'm glad you brought them up. You guys are saying, I can't wait for next season. Some of you guys are saying, let's go. Others saying, clue the front runners in the NFC South. I, I love the optimism because it's not, it's not exactly misleading. Slade says, love the running back move a lot. Got one starting defensive tackle in depth. Do we get any comp picks? So as of right now, great question, by the way. The Saints have lost. We're going to count on my fingers because sometimes math can get hard for me over here. Caden Ellis, Marcus Davenport, Shai Tuttle, David Onyemata, Andy Dalton, and Deontay Hardy. Those are the six guys they've lost. They would factor into the comp pick formula. The Saints signed Shepard. They signed Saunders. They signed Jamal Williams. So take three out. Technically, they're in line for three comp picks at the moment. Uh, that can certainly change. That can, I believe it can improve. I'd have to check depending on a contract that people get. But the Saints don't really have any more premium free agents. Uh, don't anticipate a big deal for Callaway. Don't anticipate a huge, absolutely huge deal for a guy like Blake Gilligan, a punter. So um, I, as of right now, it's three and it could be less um, or it'll stay the same. But that, that's where it's at right now. Great question though, absolutely. Jamal Williams and Alvin Kamara uh, just, uh, is just so OMG. I would agree. I would agree for sure. I, I love that pairing. First off, the energy is perfect because the one thing, again, not a knock on the player. When the Saints got rid of Mark Ingram, I think they kind of 
undervalued how important he would have been energy-wise and in the locker room for Alvin. Like, they bounced off each other so well. I fully expect Jamal Williams and Alvin to just hit it off immediately. Like, you have two awesome personalities, two players that actually play different styles of football. I think it's going to work. I really think it's going to work. And if I'm wrong, we'll revisit this. I'll be like, oh, what an idiot Chris is on March 15th, getting all excited about Jamal Williams. I I really, really do think this is going to work. I really do. I, I absolutely do. Owen says, after our team looked kind of dead last season, I'm glad we're loading up in the locker room again with him and Saunders. Plus, he's a nice running back. Absolutely. And, and, and make no mistake about it. If you're not that confident in the coaching staff, and I know there are absolutely questions about this team, so I, I totally get that because DA is unproven as a head coach. I think that for the Saints bringing in guys like Derek Carr, guys like Jamal Williams, guys like Kalen, uh, Colin Saunders, they're going to buy in immediately, keeping guys like Michael Thomas, keeping guys like Jameis Winston. They've already been there. You're trying to really have a team-first, great culture mentality. And I think one knock on the Saints was they didn't really have everyone there when workouts were voluntary. And I think that's going to change. I really do. Maybe that's blind faith. I think with Derek Carr coming in, I think with a lot of these rookies coming in, bringing in uh, Jamal Williams, who's all about football, I think that's going to help. And I, and I think that would be huge for the Saints because I thought it was, a, they, they, I think they kind of dismissed how important it was last year and it kind of hurt. So I, I think they'll be big. The teams that play well in September, they play well in October. They're bought in from April, guys. They're bought in from April. And, and that's, the, that's the, the criticism that guys like Aaron Rodgers get and they claim it's unfair, but it's not. It's very hard for everyone to be on the same page when you don't show up till July 28th and the season starts in about five weeks. When you start building something from April, that will last you. It will. So if you want some optimism, there you go. Rob says, we're getting closer, Chris, and I'm stoked about today's edition. I think we still need help in the trenches, both sides. What's your take? Yeah, look, I am also stoked about this. Um, I love the signings, all three of them. Now, I think Shepard, I, I, it feels like an overpay at the moment because he's really been a rotational player. But the Saints always have visions for guys, and the Saints have great luck with former Jets. Think Demario Davis, think uh, John uh, Vilma. Maybe this is their next you know, signing where you take him for the Jets, and all of a sudden it works out well. It could be. Now, maybe that's, that's wishful thinking. But the this, this Saunders move, watch his 2022 tape outstanding, showed up in the playoffs when he needed to. I think for Saunders, it's pretty simple. Is he going to be healthy? If he's healthy, there's your starting defensive tackle, one of the spots for sure. Uh, as for Shepard, advanced metrics benefit him. Pro football focus grades benefit him. Run stuffing grades benefit him. But I think the Saints, deep down, I think what they really, really like about him is that they do like that he could pack a punch from that interior rushing position. And the Saints missed that because David Onyemata, as great as he's been for so many years, he is on, in my opinion, the decline. Now, that doesn't mean he can't be a good player next season. It just means that I think we've seen his peak. Shepard, we definitely haven't seen his peak. And the hope for the Saints is that they can untap it. And ironically enough, these are two guys that were Canadian prospects. So uh, we'll see if they go. Terry says, I'm about to jump ship, but I'm back. Who that? Terry, we don't jump ship around these parks, man. The going gets tough. We don't get going. We just kind of sit here and we rant about it. That's, kind of, that's at least the way I go about it. Um, like you'll see, if this season goes south, you'll hear some uh, Rose Vogel rants on here. I've had, I had a bunch last year, but right now I'm optimistic. There's been a bigger smile on my face this year than there probably has all of last year. So we'll see. We'll absolutely see what happens. 
Cody asked, do you think the Saints will look to add some depth, uh, some better depth on the O-line? I think they should. I think they should. And, and the reason being, you cannot count on Trevor Penning being there for all 17 games. You just can't. It would be kind of stupid to, to say that. It really would. Because he didn't do it at all last year. It was one foot injury after another. I feel terrible for Trevor Penning. But injuries plagued his rookie season. If you don't put in an insurance policy at left tackle or an insurance policy at left guard, you are opening yourself up to some major problems. Now, Ruiz and McCoy, you feel good about what you got there. And, and that's something no one would have thought, especially about Ruiz a couple of years ago. Ramchek, we know what he does when he's healthy. He's got to get back to staying healthy. I think he will. Left guard with Pete, left tackle with Penning. If the Saints, that's what I'm saying. If the Saints go O-line somewhat early with their first two picks in the draft, you can't complain. You can't. The guy, you gotta have backup options. Guys get hurt in the NFL. So um, I, I'm not against it at all. Steven says trading for Renfro would absolutely tie this offense together beautifully before the draft. It would, and it would also give you the added benefit that, like, God forbid we go down the route of Michael Thomas gets hurt. What do you do? Well, there's Hunter Renfro. So I think that would really help them. Uh, again, we'll see what happens. I, I, this is just from my belief. I've asked some people, haven't got concrete word back, but Hunter Renfro, if you kind of read the tea leaves, Derek Carr, not one of McDaniel's guys, gone. Darren Waller, not one of McDaniel's guys, gone. Jacoby Myers, Jimmy Garoppolo, both guys that are McDaniel's guys, knows the system, they're in. What does Myers specialize? The slot position. What does Hunter Renfro specialize? Playing in the slot. It's possible. It's possible. Now, I, I think Hunter Renfro might have a bigger market that a team not as needy as at wide receiver like the Saints might get him. But make no mistake, if he's there and the price is right, go for him. Just go for him. I mean, you, you're going. You're signaling you're all in. You can't go all in and leave $10 behind. You can't play another hand with $10. So at that point, if the price is right, go for it. But we'll see what happens. Brian says, is Sidney Brown a possible pickup? Uh, well, we'll see. Now, Sidney Brown, obviously, uh, you know, brother of, of uh, Chase Brown, talented running back uh, at uh, Illinois. I haven't personally watched enough Sidney Brown tape to give you a legitimate and, and honest review about what I think he can be. Now, I know from an athletic standpoint, he checks off the boxes. I know that people have talked greatly about his frame, but... You know, I, I haven't heard enough to be like, that is the guy uh, that they have to go out and get. Now, I'll I'm actually going to watch more Sidney Brown tape now that you brought him up, Brian. And I do think that for the Saints, bringing in a younger DB is a need. Uh, I think they got to get younger in the in the back end. But um, we'll see. I, I haven't really circled one. The truth is, the older I get, the more I realize with prospects, we just don't know. Because someone could look great on tape and you could love them. And there's prospects that I've loved. For example, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. Um, but some of you guys know from my Twitter account, I loved Jordan Love coming out of the draft. Like, I absolutely adored his tape, loved the arm talent. Um, and we're going to find out this year if he's any good. But he might not be any good. And I sat there for like a whole year banging the drum saying, I, I love Jordan Love as a prospect. It might not matter. But uh, I will check it. I do think that they need another DB. So that is an interesting suggestion. I think Sidney Brown, from what I've heard, Worst case, backup slash special teams. Worst case. Caleb says Hunter Renfro would be the icing on the cake. He would. That would be a damn sweet cake. That's for sure. That might have sound wrong, so pause on that. Uh, Christian says, do we still take a defensive tackle with a first-round pick? If they're the best player available, yes. If they're not, no. I, I think that the Saints, 
are, this is how they're going to operate in my belief. They're going to go in knowing they want a certain position, knowing they want a certain prospect. And as the draft shakes on, if that prospect keeps staying on the board, they will not hesitate to move up and get that guy if the value is there. Because the one thing the Saints aren't going to do is stay at, at 29 and draft someone they're not overly fond of. They don't do that. And I think that's actually why the Saints don't really draft that much on day three anymore is the Saints value getting guys that are in their like stratosphere of top 100 prospects and say, all right, I'm good on everything else because I don't really need to go draft a guy that might be 230 on my big board just for the sake of drafting him, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, defense tackle, defensive line. I think that would be the priority for them. But the guy's got to fall down to them, or it's got to be in a spot where they could trade up, and he's got to be on their board. But there will be options there. There will absolutely be options there. And I'll pull up from the chat, people mentioning defensive line options there. I, I really do think that uh, the Saints, for sure, will be looking hard at this defensive line class. And if they like someone, fantastic. They don't. So be it. So be it. Thoughts on maybe taking Torrance at 29 and then defensive line at 40? Or, and then said not take Torrance at 29, cut Pete. Uh, I'd have to look into Pete's contract in terms of cutting him and what it would entail. I would like the Saints to stop restructuring Pete's contract, though, because I think, and I love what they did this with Davenport. It's okay to improve your roster, but not be able to go full throttle because you got to take your medicine sometimes, once a year. And the Saints took their medicine with Anyamata, and they took their medicine with Davenport, and I actually commend them for that. So if they got to take the medicine with Pete and not keep extending this contract of a player who gets hurt often, and frankly... You don't know which player is going to be there on any given Sunday. I am very much okay um, with the idea of bringing in Torrance from Florida. He's a very, very intriguing prospect. He would fit that uh, interior O-line need, if that's what you think. But we'll see. We'll absolutely see there. Do you think Michael Thomas will be back in that top three wide receiver spot next season? Now, top three league? If you're asking top three league, my answer is no. I think that he's missed so much time that... How does he crack the list of the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chases, the Tyreek Hills, the Stephon Diggs? Mike is still Mike. Mike is that dude when he's on the field. I don't doubt that for a minute, but Mike doesn't need to be that dude for all 17 games now because I think Chris Olave is going to take that next step. And even if Chris Olave didn't take that next step, which I would be shocked if he doesn't, I think he's going to put on a little bit more weight, be a little bit better with catching the ball in traffic. And if he does that, that'll really set him free to take that next step. He's a thousand plus yard receiver anyway. So Mike doesn't need to be that dude. He just needs to be a dependable dude. And, and that's not easy. That's not something you could just turn the switch on. Mike's not trying to get hurt. Mike doesn't want to get hurt. It's just bad luck, bad breaks. But if he is healthy, he will have over a thousand yards. He will have, you know, a ton of receptions. Will he be top three in the league? I, I would say no. But that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. If Michael Thomas is a 1,000-yard receiver and Chris Olave is a 1,000-yard receiver, the Saints are going to be a playoff team. They will be a playoff team. I feel, I feel very strong about that. Caleb says, if Penning can stay healthy and they drafted Cody, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that name. I'll be honest. I got to get more, more into uh, offensive line prospect. I've been out of the game because I've been looking at running back. 
but I believe that's a North Dakota State prospect you're talking about, uh, would be a mean left side of the O-line. It would. In theory, it would. And you're talking about like mean mugging type of mentality where they're trying to take your lunch money. Yeah, I, I think that that would be the perfect combo uh, on that left side. But we'll see. I, I just want Trevor Penning to be healthy, man, because people don't realize if Trevor Penning's healthy, the Saints will walk away from 2022 with Olave, Penning, Alante Taylor, and Rashid Shahid. Those are four players who will make a huge impact on your team. So I think that's, that's a big deal for them. Matt Collins balled out last year and is a stud on special teams. If you're suggesting Matt Collins as a potential addition to the Saints, I personally am not against that. I actually, we, I talked about it yesterday with someone. Well, maybe it was a YouTube comment I replied to. It all just kind of blends in together at this point. Matt Collins has history with Derek Carr. This is a player who just had a really solid year with Derek Carr. Can stretch the field with Derek Carr. That could work. Someone mentioned Nelson Aguilar. That's another player who's played with him. I don't know if I love it, but it doesn't hurt to bring in a guy that Derek Carr has familiarity with. Makes things a little bit easier. I think MT could at least get back to top six because a lot of people forget that he is an absolute beast. I do agree that people forget he's a top beast. And I don't, and I don't mean this to sound rude. For me, it doesn't matter if he gets to top three, top five, top six, top 10. If Mike is playing 13, 14 games, I'm not even going to say 17. If he plays 13, 14 games, He's going to do the thing. He's going to be a big-time player for them. And he's going to make all of us happy. And, and that's all it comes down to. Now, he did look top six in week one against the Falcons. I can't deny that. He looked sensational. But I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about all that. Because it's not like he's going to get his respect anyway. I mean, the guy gets called Slant Man or Slant Boy because people think he could only one run one run one round. And even if that was true, by the way, it would be so pathetic that their favorite cornerbacks couldn't stop that said route. It's, it's the funniest thing to me. So I'm not worried about where he ranks in other people's eyes because it's like he never got his fair due when he was dominating the league. But man, it'd be a great comeback story. He would be a just a really impactful piece for them. And if they're going to get to where they're going to go and want to go, he's got to stay on the field. He's got to. I really... I don't know if they could do this thing without MT. I think they could be a playoff team without Michael Thomas. But if they want to get to the best version of the Saints, they need Michael Thomas because that boy's got drive. He's got that competitive edge, and that's what you need in playoff games. And that's going to be fun to see. But anyway, guys, it's been a fun 40-plus minutes with you guys. I am absolutely loving what the Saints are doing so far. And we'll see. We'll see if they can continue to get this positive wave of momentum going. But after a disappointing season after an odd January, a frustrating January. March is seeming pretty good. We'll see they keep marching it on. That's a really bad dad joke, but I don't really care because I'm feeling good about this Saints team. But that's going to do it for this edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in and leaving your comments. I greatly appreciate it. I'm sorry for Pelicans fans if I offended you with my Carmelo Anthony Nuggets shirt. I promise you that's all it is. Don't give two craps about the current Nuggets, all about that mellow era. But we're done here. Saints got Jamal Williams. Absolutely love the signing. Backfield's a lot better. Now it's all about adding more to this roster, and we'll see if they do it. And they do, if they do do that, do-do. I will have it here on the Straight Up Saints podcast. And just remember, guys, NCAA tournaments up. Can mix that in with some Saints fun. How do you do that? The question and the answer to that question, go to DraftKings Sportsbook. If you use the promo code BOOT, all capital letters BOOT, and new customers bet $5 on any college troops game in the NCAA tournament, you get $200 in free bets instantly. And the best part about it, it's win or lose. 
$5, win or lose, you get $200 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and make sure you guys sign up with promo code BOOT. So that's it for us, folks. Straight Up Saints podcast out. Make sure you stay tuned for more content here at Boot Crew Media. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.